WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program. What a busy week it's been. A lot of things are happening um, concerning the uh, the virus and um, some local things happening. Uh, city council meeting is coming up on on Monday night, and they'll be uh, taking up the budget and making modifications to the budget. And they'll be uh, also uh, considering that uh, rather controversial resolution from Alex Kithis uh, that uh, we talked about in uh, in some detail yesterday. And uh, may talk about it today. Who knows? Tomorrow, Roger Pickard, state senator, will be joining us. And we'll be uh, talking to him as a state senator. And we'll be also talking to him as um, a, I guess you would say, attendance officer, for lack of a better term. They keep changing the terms of people doing the same thing to make it sound different. Um, And he'll uh, be talking about his role in the school department in the city of Woonsocket uh, tomorrow, in addition to his role as senator. Always an interesting visit with uh, Senator Roger Pickard. Well, today is Thursday, and that means that Christopher Boulay has joined us, as he usually does on Thursday. And uh, we'll get some commentary from him as we uh, make our way along. Sir, good morning to you, and welcome back to our microphones. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. It's terrific to be here. Let's give you the telephone numbers. 769-0600-766-1380. If you have a topic in Radioland that uh, you would like to, to bring up, you're welcome to, uh, to do that. You uh, could want to or you may want to bring up some of the things that the governor has been talking about, like uh, hair salons and gyms and restaurants and uh, places to get your nails done, churches and uh, their services, um, all kinds of uh, lawsuits being brought against the, um, the governor's uh, office, all kinds of things to talk about on that level and, um, and other levels, too. So uh, Mr. Boulay is in the studio. He usually has a few items that uh, he would like to introduce. We'll um, give him the microphone while uh, we see if anybody calls us. 769-0600-766-1380. What's going on, Chris? Well, I'd like to go back to my knitting. Obviously, everyone pays attention. You cannot not pay attention the way the stock market is reported, whether it's CNBC or, or NBC or what have you. You have noticed, and you've commented in the past, Roger, that CNN only wants to talk about the stock market when it's going down, and they like to see it go down a thousand points and be very negative. But this has been a big uh, comeback for the market. Obviously, we lost a lot in March with the shutdown of our country, the world's largest economy at $25 trillion. And we've had a couple of very, very good days in the market. And that's an anticipation, in my opinion, of things returning to normal. So we had about a 500-point day yesterday. We had a 500-point day, I think, the day before. These companies that are on sale seem to be attracting uh, investors. And sometimes the stock market is too high, sometimes it's too low. But you look and the markets are not that far off the beginning of the year. You got the NASDAQ, which is close to uh, where it was before. You got the Dow at over 25,000. You got the S&P 500 already at 3,000. So the $64 billion question, is the market getting ahead of itself? Nobody really knows. There's certainly a lot more enthusiasm and I've embraced it as an enthusiastic person. I have a lot of faith that they're going to have a vaccine pretty soon. 
actually I was in the doctor's office this morning talking to uh, the doctor about it and I'm very comfortable it's going to be accelerated but you can also take the opposite view and say geez are we ever going to really get back uh, to exactly what's going on we're still wearing a mask we're still having outdoor dining as opposed to indoor dining but needless to say I'm very very encouraged by what's happening and looking to see that the economy is going to get turned around well, unless this is the end of the world and we're all going to die, um, then I'm assuming that there's going to, uh, this is going to have a, a life to it. Uh, the 1918 epidemic of influenza uh, was about a year in length and they didn't even have medical science to shorten it. There's actually billions of dollars to be made, if nothing else. I, I hate to use the profit margin as, um, or, uh, or, or just the idea of capitalism as a way to solve this, but why not? I mean, there's a whole bunch of companies out there that say, hey, if we put our best brains to work and uh, work uh, 24-7 in the labs and so forth uh, and get this uh, vaccine out, uh, there's something to be made for us. So there's nothing wrong with that. And so there are a lot of factors that are in play here to say that this has a beginning and it has an end. And uh, there are some people, uh, I, I guess um, they're out there all the time, uh, that uh, are the gloom and doom. And uh, this, is, um, this is something that's never going to go away. This is going to be with us for three years. This is, I don't know what, what's going to happen, but I do believe that with the um, science out there and the technology out there, that something is going to be done to give us some relief. That's what I think. Yeah, and, and again, a couple of things I object to uh, bothers me. Oh, this is unprecedented. You pointed out 1918. Yes, we're going back over 100 years, but we've had issues like this. We've had polio, AIDS in the, in the 1980s. People have the fallacy of vividness because it's happening now. They're putting more emphasis to it. What I get concerned, I think about this every single morning on Thursday morning that I'm sitting in this chair. I think about this, how unbalanced and unfair the media is. Just for giggles, I get the Boston Globe um, through an email. I will never give them any money, but they give me the top eight or ten stories. And if I want to sign on through Facebook, I can uh, follow it. But every story is, has a negative slant about the way this administration has handled the coronavirus. It's had a slant of everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And they want to dis- extinguish every single ray of hope you have. So you start thinking about the New York Post, uh, New York, um, excuse me, the Washington Post. You start thinking about the New York Daily News. You start thinking about the Boston Globe, CNN, CNBC, ABC News, NBC News. You can really see the bias that they want to create fear and anxiety into the country. And they also seem to really were willing to have this economy go down the tubes to to get Trump out of office. And if we don't have that other side... The Washington Examiner, Fox News, One America, to kind of balance things out, I, I think we're in trouble. I think there'll be groupthink. One of the things about... Groupthink, that's a great uh, term. Uh, I haven't heard that in a long time. And you think about um, 
you know, I look, I monitor Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I don't put a lot of political things. Usually it's just me hitting golf balls or something like that. But you read some of the posts and some of the people I'm proud of standing up for our rights and recognizing and calling the government's um, tyranny in, into checks. I think that's very, very important. And then some people, will, you know, stay home, keep everyone safe, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. Um, not so proud about that. Uh, interesting thing uh, how uh, the news media picks and chooses stories. Uh, I was uh, looking uh, this morning and I found where one uh, Rhode Island senator has uh, called for us to uh, um, to call on the governor to you know be more open and open sooner um, open Rhode Island sooner than it is and and that's um, I guess a matter of science and that's a matter of uh, of research. But it was the only news source that carried the story. Um, the Providence Journal didn't carry it. None of the TV stations carried it. Uh, only Providence Business News reported on, on her. I'm going to uh, dig up that story in a few minutes when we come back from our break and, um, and read what she had to say. You may agree with her. You may not agree with her. But what I'm saying is, uh, why did only one news source cover her? The Little Red Truck is at your service. We are A&R Trailer Rentals in Woonsocket. We're a company that has those 45-foot storage trailers for rent or lease, and 20-foot ground-level containers are also available. And we offer leasing with the option to buy. We specialize in household and commercial storage for the public. So if you're looking for a place to store household items while remodeling or renovating, then look no further. We have your temporary storage needs available for a fraction of the cost of those storage facilities. And if you're looking to store seasonal items like uh, snowmobiles or jet skis, we have the perfect solution. Call Al Gagnon at 766-1919. Need temporary storage? Wear the little red truck? Give us a call. And for your lawn and garden, we can deliver Wright's Farm cow manure, or you can select from an organic mix, which is a lab tested by the University of Maine for your lawn and garden, with also gravel, sand, clay, stone dust, and mulch available, delivered right to your property. Al Gagnon's Little Red Truck will bring it to you, and here is his number for rates and more information, 766-1919, 766-1919. The wastewater treatment plant of the city of Socket is reminding customers not to flush wipes of any kind into the system. And although the packaging might say flushable, they should never be flushed down the toilet. Only flush the three P's, poop, pee, and paper. Flushable wipes are not truly flushable. They might go down, but they do not break up like regular toilet paper. If you do use paper towels or wipes, throw them into your trash cans. Remember, wipes of any kind can clog our sewer systems and even harm your home's plumbing. The practice of flushing wipes is causing problems at the treatment plant and unnecessary expenses to the city of Woonsocket. This announcement presented by the Woonsocket Wastewater Treatment Facility. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. 
You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel is uh, reconvened here on uh, WNRI. And today it's uh, Roger Bouchard and Chris Boulay, as it usually is on Thursdays. And um, we, um, we talk about the issues of the day. And we hope we talk about them objectively. On our live line is uh, Scott Gibbs. And um, he, uh, I guess you'd say, has devoted his life to, um, or that is his professional life, that is, to economic development. And uh, he's on our live line right now. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm good, Roger. How are you doing? Doing good. So I have a, a question for you, Scott. Um, I've, um, this story that we're about to talk about, uh, a Lincoln company buying uh, a, a facility here in Woonsocket and moving to Woonsocket in the Highland Industrial Park, uh, Highland Corporate Park. I first read about it in Providence Business News. Uh, might have been over the weekend um, that I read about it. But here's the the question I'm having. I'm trying to find out whether this is was almost like a just a a private real estate deal where a building was available for sale and it got advertised and a company in Lincoln that needed more space said this looks like a good fit for us and just bought it or was this a prime example of economic development where a, a bunch of parties came into play and actually worked uh, with a with an effort to bring this company or was this just something that that just happened that would have happened without let's say economic development people well i think your point is is well made um this was a private transaction so as you said there was a property in the park that was on the market it's been on the market since last october um, and obviously we were lucky enough that a company that was looking to expand chose to expand uh, their operation by buying this building in Woonsocket. So did economic development directly have anything to do uh, with that transaction? Um, not directly, although we are working with that company. You know, they uh, are going through some uh, uh, facility improvements. Um, but, you know, the, the question really is, when a private party chooses to make an investment in a community, it's always a sign that the company is looking at the community favorably. Um, and that, to me, is as important as if it was a direct involvement by economic development. And I don't mean economic development meaning me. Mm-hmm. I'm meaning economic development in general. Um, that's a positive testament to the city that whether it's you know, this company buying 811 Park East Drive or Rush choosing to invest in the city, these are positive signals in a very troubled time that says that when stock is being looked at favorably, and I think that's really important. Yeah, you know, and I'm not trying to get you involved in any kind of a, oh, pol- no. of a political thing, but when I read that Providence Business News release, there was nothing about the city of Woonsocket mentioned, uh, or, or and it just it just was a building that a company bought through a real. And matter of fact, it was a real estate company that was making the announcement of the sale, and uh, not the Commerce Department, not the city of no. Woonsocket. And then you know, I read the news release from the mayor's office, and this sounded like a, an economic development coup in which uh, uh, a lot of um, 
a lot of persuading was done. And, and I, like I said, I don't want to get into a political thing, but it, no. uh, I, I, I saw the story change its direction when I read the news release from the mayor's office. Yeah, I don't think that there was anything in the news release that, that it creates the impression that, you know, we were the reason why this company came. We've obviously been having conversations with the company. Um, you know, Joseph, you know, uh, you know uh, the, the owner, you know, put in, you know, some positive comments about the city, um, which which is important because that obviously was part of his decision process. I think the purpose of, of the press announcement, as in any press announcement relating to a private investment, is that it's a signal that the community is being looked at favorably by companies and investors. And that is an important economic development announcement, and we need to build on those announcements to help create a better uh, image of the city, not just within the city, but throughout the state. Because hopefully then, you know, the fact that, you know, we've got very little low vacancies in Highland, um, that's also very positive testament to to the city. You know, we could have buildings all over the place available, but if the city was being viewed by companies and investors as, as not worth the effort, then those decisions aren't going to be made. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they are being made, and I think we all should be very happy about that. No, no Scott. Is... I think that's what the press announcement basically was saying. It's, here's a company that chose to buy this vacant building. That's good for the, that's good for the city. Now, uh, Scott, Chris here. Um, any, Hi, Chris. Good morning. Any tax stabilization plan involved with this to uh, get them to come here? No. Oh, okay. All right. They this, just bought a building. This is an, this is an existing building. Um, you know, if all of a sudden a company was going to come in and buy a building like that and do a significant expansion on the building, would they have a basis to ask for stabilization? Every company has the basis of asset stabilization in those circumstances, but they're just buying an existing building. All right, so, so it's, it says our property taxes aren't too high then, right? Uh, well, I would disagree highly on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think property taxes throughout Rhode Island, uh, especially in the cities, are uh, excruciatingly high. Um, but, you know... There are a lot of factors for companies choosing to move in. Um, this is a, I'm not sure what the purchase price was. It was all in the MLS system. Um, it's not like investing $9 million, and that's all new tax dollars. I think it was 1.4. Yeah, how did, so how did yeah. the administration learn about it? Um. Um, we learned about the, the transactions through the land evidence records. Okay. And that's when we reached out to the company. Um, to find out what we're proposing to do. I had conversations directly with one of the prime uh, individuals in the company, and uh, they were giving an outline of things that we're asking that they were going to do. Uh, the redevelopment agency, which is the declarant of covenants in that park, had to, um, had to basically approve some of the improvements which we've done. There's some building permits that have to be pulled, but we basically worked with the company to figure out you know, what has to actually be permitted, what doesn't, so they can get in there as quick as possible. And uh, this... Very, uh, very supportive. Mm-hmm. So this company, does this uh, essentially fill up the Woonsocket side? In other words, if I wanted a building today, do you have one available for me? Technically, no. Uh, there is a building uh, which we were just informed has, um, is uh, the company has, uh, is 
closing down. It's a company that's been in the park, God, back all the way, I think, till the late 80s. Uh, originally started off as ultra-fine powder technology. Um, was originally found with some MIT guys. Um, they are decided to close down their operations. Not a big employer. Uh, our office has had conversations with the company uh, on the status of the building. And at this point in time, the building is not on the market. I think they're going through some internal conversations about possibly repurposing the building for a different use, or it may end up on the market. But right now, there are no buildings in in the Highland Park when socket sides that um, are on the market and available. And this company uh, that is moving into uh, the Woonsocket side, Prime Restoration and Remediation, I mean, they're in a timely business because they do uh, cleaning and disinfecting services uh, to uh, businesses, and uh, that's a highly in-demand service right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it really is. It really is. I, I don't know how much of that, Roger, had to do with their, with their need for, for additional space. Um, it certainly didn't hurt. And I think it's fair to say that this, 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 this demand, this specific kind of demand, is going to be around for a long, long time. It's not just going to end when there's going to be a, a vaccine discovered. It, this is going to be, I think, a risk management that a lot of companies are going to be doing going forward. Um, Scott, I have a, a philosophical question. Uh, I don't want to. Yep. Uh, I know you have your own radio program, uh, and may, might be a, a discussion uh, for the, for the future. But um, this coronavirus uh, situation has created a lot of, uh, shall we say, at home activity by uh, by employees. And um, and now some of the companies I've been reading are starting to think about: Do we ever need to have these employees return to the office? And brings us yeah. to the to the whole issue of what happened to malls uh, and what is happening to shopping malls could happen to corporate parks. In the sense, will there be as much of a need to have a big facility uh, as um, let's say there was prior to the virus? Any philosophical thoughts on that? Yeah, we've, I've actually touched on this issue a little bit uh, on my program. I think, it's, I think it is the question, and that is, what will the, the, the coronavirus, what impact will it have on, um, on corporate uh, investment decisions? Um, I think it's very, I mean, there, there's been this cognitive war going on about allowing workers to work remote. Um, my daughter works for a company where, you know, employees work remote for a couple days a week if they want to. Um, some companies like IBM have pushed back on that, and they actually a couple years ago came out and said, we want everybody working remotely back in the office. Um, I think this is going to change or tip it into the different direction. I think now that companies have been forced to uh, experiment with remote workers, I think they're going to start seeing a lot more of that happening. Um, so I think the demand for corporate office space is going to get a hit. And I think we're going to have to see sort of repurposing of office buildings uh, throughout this country. So it's too early to tell. I think the next two to three years will be very uh, it, it's significant, but... I, I, my gut feel is this is going to have a material impact on the commercial real estate sector 
and all communities, whether the year of the New York Cities or the Woonsocket, mm-hmm. are going to have to pay attention. Yep. All right. Thank you very much. Now, is there anything that we uh, didn't touch on that uh, you wanted to mention in connection with uh, Prime Restoration, or did we cover it all? I think you covered it all. Okay. Uh, Uh, Do you have a question for uh, Mr. Gibbs? Any any positive news is good news, right? Yes, that's for sure. I received an email from a listener who's listening right now. They wanted to know what your opinion was of the proposed solar farm behind the new Resch building. Um... Well, that's not in the park, um, technically. So, from a from a covenant standpoint, we have nothing to say about it. That is EDFRI. Uh, from a land use decision standpoint, I think it's a good move. Um, I mean, that property has some challenges to it. It allows a a use by something that will generate some revenue. It won't generate any additional traffic. Um, and, you know, after 20, 25 years of the life of a solar project, property back on the market for another use. So I think it's good. All right. And question answered, Chris? Question answered. Thank you, Scott. Always a pleasure chatting with you, and we'll see you next Wednesday on your radio right, program. Guys. Okay. Thanks a Take lot. Care. Bye-bye. All right. Scott Gibbs joining us here on WNRI. And um, I guess you could say uh, very locally, he's... Um, in the Economic Development Department of the City of Woonsocket. And uh, so some good news, another uh, another company in the industrial park. All right. <laughs> there are other things to talk about. 7690600, our telephone number. 7661380, our telephone number. Your calls and comments are welcome on this program. Something else to talk about, Chris? Well, I just sent you an email. We chat a little bit in the green room regarding Twitter. And I get feeds from Twitter, and the only reason I get feeds from Twitter is that the President of the United States is on Twitter. So I like to see his tweets about what's going on. Some of them are a little harsh, some of them a little irrelevant, but you kind of always know where he's standing. Mm -hmm. Um, Twitter has decided uh, at the highest level that they're going to fact-check the President on certain statements he makes. So that's creating uh, a lot of controversy. Do they do that for other Twitter account holders? Or do they just let them run, run, run rapid with their views? Well, they don't fact check, but what they've done is, most, like most of the media, they have an incredible liberal slant. Mm-hmm. So they've had a history of kicking people off Twitter that they don't agree with that tend to be ultra-conservative, which is a problem among itself. So it's a very complicated relationship because Twitter really needs the president like i have no interest in twitter other than hearing what the president has to say and maybe there's a a few others that are kind of uh incidental so you're suggesting twitter wouldn't be uh the success it is and and everybody's always talking about twitter uh if the president wasn't uh, using it uh so so often yes that's a suggestion is that true that, well, at least from from my standpoint, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people's standpoint, and, you know, Twitter is just poison. You're you have the ability to say something that maybe you're thinking that maybe you shouldn't put out there, and then all of a sudden you can go through and do a Wikipedia check of all the people who've been fired or have had their their lives changed around by putting something on Twitter that they probably shouldn't. 
and there's always that thing and I've been guilty of it sometimes when you're angry you write an email and then you save it and then you look at it 24 hours later and you don't send it you do not have that ability to do that when you're uh, on that sounds familiar yeah when you're, when you're on Twitter so um, it's just and I, and I make joke of this okay why are people more anxious why is there more anxiety now in the country more than ever and then in the world because you're one step away from uh falling and, and uh, embarrassment by putting something out there on twitter or facebook or something like that that you like to take back there's countless examples and the lack of empathy that people share or show when somebody does something like that when they've done it maybe 10 times and somebody will do put something out there and they all want to stone them at the uh in, um you know in the, in the middle of the square Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Somebody's done it, and uh, okay, let's stone this person. They put something out there inappropriately that maybe that, um, that you're not happy with. Seen it. Seen it before. All right. Uh, again, we uh, like your participation on the program seven six nine zero six hundred. However, it is that time of the morning to uh, take a break for a commercial message, and that's Dion's Plumbing. If you need a plumber, I hope you'll consider Ray Dion, Dion's Plumbing Systems. From Cumberland, serving the greater Woonsocket area, we do residential and commercial work. We work on kitchens and bathrooms, heating systems, drain cleaning. We're licensed, we're insured. Over 30 years experience from Ray Dion, you can expect clean, neat, dependable, and courteous work. So when the pipes burst, think of Dion's Plumbing first. The number to call is 334-6060, Dion's Plumbing Systems. We do bathrooms, kitchens, heat and hot water systems, and all kinds of special work as it relates to plumbing. Dion's Plumbing Systems. Think of us. We'll do it right for you. Here's Paul Bourget, Chairman of the Woonsocket School Committee, honoring the class of 2020. Stephen Cruz Diaz. Yarelis Cruz Molina. Felix Cuadrado. Eliane Cuello Garcia. Edmund Cunningham, Ethan Daniel, Yahin Dalomba, Jadavin Darazuk, Natalia Da Silva, Virginia De Jesus, Samantha DeLeon, Mitchell Del Monte, Mike Ivan Delva, Kristen Denbo, Hayden DePault. Congratulations to the class of 2020 and uh, this congratulatory message brought to you by State Representative Bob Phillips. And uh, thank you, Bob, for joining us this year and congratulating the class of 2020. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. We want to mention uh, one of the properties that Scott McGee has, and it's at 92 St. Paul Street in North Smithfield at 289. This is a lovely house, uh, historical in nature, built in 1890, and it has one and a half baths and four bedrooms, and I'm looking at it right now. And pack your bags, says Scott McGee. Check out this great family home. This home features um, a nice uh, fenced-in yard, uh, two-car garage, all located in what we would call the Waterford section of um, of North Smithfield, right on the Massachusetts line. There's some good-sized bedrooms here, nice high ceilings, huge dining room, 
recently remodeled bathroom, an additional parking for three cars, separate office and laundry room, immaculate eat-off floors. Also features a nice gas uh, fireplace in the living room. Don't miss your opportunity to uh, check out this beautiful home at 92 St. Paul Street in North Smithfield, right near Blackstone. And it's offered by Scott McGee. You can reach him at 639-2906. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we are back to uh, the panel here on... uh, the Upfront program. If you want to call in and uh, chat with us, you're welcome to uh, to do that. And uh, I know you have a topic, but I was just wondering about your uh, impressions, uh, Mr. Uh, Christopher Boulay, on outside dining. I don't know if you've tried it yet since the uh, introduction of outside dining uh, over the weekend. I was over at Kay's over the weekend and uh, took a shot at it. It was Saturday afternoon, and it was overcast. But the temperature was around 70 degrees, and um, it was nicely uh, decorated, and I had a nice conversation with Mr. LaHousen. And um, so now we're getting ready for 50% in-house dining starting on Monday as uh, restaurant people try to make a go of it. It's been a long road for them. Yes, I uh, did try uh, outdoor downing mm-hmm. uh, with uh, at Kay's. I've done it a couple of times. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I spoke to Mr. Lahus and he had said that uh, he had chatted with you, I think, earlier in that day. Uh-huh. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it, it's great. And, you know, not to be a Pollyanna, I was talking to Dave about it. And in, in this adversity, maybe that's a great thing because he wouldn't have done that otherwise. And people were having a great time. Mm-hmm. Possibly, when we get back to normal, to have an outdoor arrangement like that and to have an indoor arrangement then you can choose it if you're sitting out there and it's you know 75 degrees and you, you're in the shade because of the umbrellas I, I think it's a great thing but you know people look at the the issue and the hypocrisy of okay you can go to target you can go to walmart but you, you know you can't be uh near each other in a restaurant it's just tough and then you not to switch gears but i'm sure you saw or maybe talked about it this morning about the gym changes yes. that the governor's making Mm-hmm. She wants you to have to wear a mask. So Roger Bouchard, a Chris Boulay yeah. are on the treadmill, and we're wearing a mask. Um, yes, and I was explaining to Jeff Gamash uh, that during this uh, situation, I went out and bought a treadmill. And and so now I'm at home uh, in the comfort of my home, and I've got the TV set there watching an episode of Columbo yesterday. <laughs> and um, and I, I kind of like being at home on and under the circumstances of the reopening of the gym, you have to have a a, a reservation, and b you, you can't go into the uh, to the change up room and change your clothes, and uh, c you want to limit the amount of time you're there because you don't want to block somebody else uh, from coming in. So you tend to maybe you want to make your your exercise period a little bit um, less than before so it's almost like a discouragement to uh, to use the uh, the gym facilities now i understand they're trying to blend uh, science and uh, and da- data together and they're trying to uh, to protect people but uh, it's a difficult situation of uh, of getting back to it doesn't make it encouraging to get back to the gym i guess we're gonna have to wait e- even longer until we get to phase three maybe it'll look more like a gym than before and see if I read this right in the Providence Journal, it says that you have to provide contact in contacting tracing information. 
Yes, I, I think I did read that. So, um, and there's another, uh, you know, an, another invasion of, uh, of information. And, um, and so getting to, um, getting back to, uh, the gym. Now, I don't know about haircuts. Um, and I, I don't know if, um, it's going to be as awkward getting, uh, getting a haircut that takes, uh, you know, 12 to, uh, 18 minutes, whether that's going to be, um, an, an experience that is not not worthwhile. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, Chris, but um, I haven't been to a barber in a while, but my hair has been clipped. <laughs> so, therefore, where do you think that hair got clipped from? <laughs> I don't know. Where would you tell the listening audience? We're dying to know. It was internal. <laughs> right. My wife saw it hanging over my uh, my ears and said, I'm not a barber, but I got to do something about it. You, uh, you look like uh, something that just walked out of the woods. Anyway, yeah. um, it's awkward. And again, you're making changes here that may work or may not work. I want to go back to the gym. Um, I have been working out at home with the TB12 bands. And during this whole issue, my weight hasn't really changed. I've been in the like 195, 198, which I'm, little, I'm happy with. And so do I want to go back to a gym? So those are the options. Okay, if you go back and you now have to do contact tracing, which I think should be optional to, to make people have to do that to go to the gym, I, I think is asinine, to put on a face mask uh, to be on the treadmill. So now you've got to think about what businesses are going to do better because of this. Well, you got a, you got a gym now. Do you really want to invest hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars into a treadmill and then go back to the gym? You've got your own TV there. And so we're definitely going to be going in, in a different direction. And, and for me, I feel great with the bands. Um, I may not go back to the gym. I, I, I may and I may not. But under these circumstances, am I going to wear a mask on the elliptical? Am I going to provide contact tracing information? No. Right. And it's not the gym's fault uh, that these rules are out there. Uh, they can't reopen unless they make a compromise with uh, Rhode Island Commerce Corporation, Department of Health, the governor's office and so forth. And, and, and so they have to, like, give in to uh, these, um, these rules, which, of course, um, the director of uh, health for the state of Rhode Island, Dr. Alexander, um, Nicole Alexander Scott, is saying unnecessary. For your uh, own protection. So, there they are. The rules are there. It's whether the um, consumer will actually respond to them. Do, do, you, do you think that people are really going to want to go and do the elliptical or do the treadmill and put a mask on? Re- uh, not as many, for sure. I do not expect that the gyms are going to be overcrowded with people. I mean, I'm sure there are a few people that say, well, yeah, I'm willing to do that. But not you. No. Not me. And everyone's kind of handling it a little different. Um, I am on the board of directors for the Greater Providence YMCA. And although I don't work out there, they have stopped charging uh, monthly dues. Mm -hmm. And I do work out at the Lincoln YMCA, and they've continued to charge. Mm -hmm. So everyone's kind of handling it differently. So we'll see. But if I decide and these, these continue... I'm probably just going to continue to work out at home. Here's the story I wanted to read a few paragraphs from, and then we'll grab a a call. A Rhode Island state senator pushing back against the governor's plan to continue imposing restrictions on 
on uh, Rhode Islanders as the state slowly opens. Senator Elaine Morgan wrote in an open letter posted on Facebook, I can no longer remain silent. She is calling on Raimondo and the General Assembly to reopen the state with no restrictions. <laughs> Our constitutional rights are under attack by an unseen enemy. Morgan, who is a Republican from Hopkinton, wrote, Politicians are paralyzed with fear to take an adversarial stand. The lawmaker said she decided to speak out in part after taking part in a Memorial Day ceremony uh, at uh, the Veterans um, Cemetery for her father. She wants no restrictions at all. Well, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. And the, the facts are, and the media is making a big deal of it, that there's 100,000 corona-related deaths in the United States to date. I don't believe those numbers. I believe that they're probably half that because you take somebody who's 106 years old and um, they had coronavirus, they consider corona deaths. You know, I mean, it's, it's asinine what they're doing. But take the math. There's 325 million Americans. There's 100,000 deaths. That equates to a mortality rate of 0.03%. Do you know how much money the insurance companies would make if the mortality rate was 0.03% on the, on the population? So we, we've definitely extended it. I kind of like the pushback people are making, and, and I think the truth will be in the middle. Because if you look at the restaurants, you know, they pushed back. 250 of them signed to the governor and said, look, if you don't do this, we're going we're gonna to take into our own hands, and you can shut us all down. Here's a caller. Hello, and welcome to the program. Your comment, please. Uh, good morning. I should like to make a quick comment or two. Um, first of all, I tend to agree with what Chris was just saying about the mortality rates. And the whole scenario, I think, has been weighted, in effect, on some false predication of science in that I think it's sort of pseudoscience. And I think a lot of what's been going on has been geared to, quite frankly, control our thinking as a population. We will obey. We will adhere to the rules. I'm not saying that precautions aren't necessary and some precautions aren't smart, but let's be honest. Most of us have already been exposed to this crazy virus in the course of this time period just by going grocery shopping. And if anybody thinks that wearing a face mask at this point, breathing your own um, CO2 is doing any good for your um, thinking, then that's just not even rational. It doesn't make any sense what's being proposed at this point. The, the whole thing is predicated, I believe, on some false science. I, 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 I would agree. It, it, it's a complete overreach. And if you listen, one of the good things about social media and just the Internet, you can hear, you know, critical thinking. And you compare that where you take the think about the, the deaths of people who can't get their cancer treatment or can't get surgery or having suicide or alcoholism or, or, or domestic violence and all of the things that being cooped up for three months are doing. And if you really were rational and you get pushback when you're rational about this, I believe, and you know nobody's really called in to d disagree, but it, it, it completely offsets 100,000 deaths, in my opinion, and I do not believe that there's 100,000 deaths. I think they're probably overstated by, by double. Right, because we all know, and it's, it's a fact, that any death that's been coded as a COVID death seems to pay more. 
So therefore, it's in the interest of the facilities and businesses that have been coding the deaths to be sure that they're coded as COVID-related. I've heard that, and I haven't commented on that because I haven't researched it, but I've heard it quite a bit. So I know you do your homework, Chuck. If you're saying it, it's, it's, it's damn well true. Well, I don't. I don't say these things lightly, and and I don't make whatever I say um, off the cuff. So yeah, it is pretty true as far as I can determine. And when and when you really want to emphasize, you say it in Swedish. Yeah, so certainly you're the data. Okay, hey, do Henrik the Bradagen. Hey, do. Thanks a lot for the call. Thank you. You're on the upfront program. You're on WNRI. It's a pleasure to have you uh, with us uh, today. Now. I have a question for you, sir. I think this is a trap. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want you to fall into the trap. But um, I think the city council members are uh, trying to figure out what Alex Kithis is trying to do in terms of a resolution that he's introduced for the council on Monday night. And um, this is a pretty clever on the progressive agenda of uh, boxing in people to say something that they probably wouldn't say anything about if they weren't uh, boxed into a corner on it. And um, and we're talking about the resolution of uh, Alex Kithis. And uh, I guess he, he wants the city to proclaim the month of June for uh, people who have, uh, shall we say, um, alternative sexual preferences. That's, that, um, maybe is that a fair way of describing it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you have any comment on that? Can well, I trap you too? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I don't hide. I've got a microphone, and I'll, I'll share my opinion. Um, I heard Paul Boger. I think it was Tuesday. So the mayor put out a silly press release attacking the uh, school committee for not doing enough for the graduates, and I, I thought it was a terrible. Um, press release didn't make any sense and um, the mayor always says if you have a problem with something I'm doing call me and then she contradicted herself by attacking Mr. Boger but not you know calling him and then Mr. Kittis said hold hold my beer I can make it even dumber and so he puts out a thing uh, for uh, gay pride month and it just it's it's not the issue it's the inconsistency in the issue well, February's Black History Month, why wasn't that recognized? Uh, is he a white nationalist? Does he not uh, support uh, Black History Month? You could go on and on. So just if you're going to be in that direction, just show some consistency about groups that you feel are marginalized um, and support all of them. Why, why are you picking and choosing? And I guess eventually the ultimate conclusion is it works against his agenda. <clears throat> If your agenda is that we all be treated equal, what, my, why make separations like that? It, it doesn't make any sense. Why divide a community that's not being d- divisive? Well, the council is, uh, I think, boxed in on this particular issue because when it comes up as a resolution, it will uh, be seconded by, um, by council member Dave Susi, And uh, then it's going to come under discussion. And so... Um, so my question is, if you were a member of the city council, would you uh, simply vote for it and uh, and just get it by and, and let it go its way? Or would you actually invite the TV cameras uh, to uh, to unsock it? Because that's what the progressives do. They, they want a media event. So they would love to get you on record 
saying why you oppose this resolution. And that's the trap, I think, that uh, Alex is setting. And so, um, so a council member has got to say, you know what, how do we uh, get on to the rest of our city business? Should we just throw them a bone and, uh, and give a seven to nothing vote? Or should we uh, challenge him on it? I'm wondering what a guy like Jim Canary is going to do. I, I don't know. Um, all you can hope for is when we come to the polls in November, people will have to ask themselves if they're paying attention. Is this what you want for your city? Is this the kind of focus that you want instead of lowering taxes, improving the quality of life, you know, um, getting the trash picked up and doing all the basic stuffs and, and for me, trying to get Winsocket from no longer being a distressed community. So, you know, Ronald Reagan said in, uh, in 1980, are you better off than you were four years ago? And he, got, he crushed Jimmy Carter because people weren't better off than four years ago. So when we have a city council focusing on these issues that have nothing to do, in my personal opinion, about advancing this community because they're just not local issues. They're national issues. They're issues above and beyond what the city council is supposed to focus on. If you feel that you want that in your society, you want that in your community, then, then, then vote for him again. If you realize that this is... The verse of things that that just don't belong at the local level. We need to focus our energy to making it a better community for things that we can control. And I find liberals, generally speaking, progressives, want to focus on things that they can't control, like climate change. And, this, and they abdicate things that they can control, like their lives and, and their livelihood and making themselves uh, more comfortable. Well, if I were a council member in November, uh, there's no question about it. I, I would not vote for him. I didn't vote for him in the first place. I w certainly would, if I could have two or three votes, I would vote against him in November. But I've got to do something June 1st as a council member. And I've got to either um, make this, um, you know, uh, fight this battle or um, not fight this battle. And I would simply vote it in. I would be one of those that would just uh, say, you know, when they... Say any discussion, no discussion, go to a vote. I would cast my vote, even though that's not how I feel, because I don't want to give him the, um, I don't want to give him the bandstand. I don't want to give him a focal point uh, to, uh, to say something, because if you say something against it, he'll say, you're a racist. Uh, you, uh, you're against this. You should be taught and fettered. Feathered. So you saved a lot of phone calls to you about what your opinion would be. So your advice if a city council called you would just, just do it? Yep. Vote it in Go and move on. And then we can move on to what you were talking about, taxes and so forth. If we get bogged down in this controversy, this is what the TV editors at Channel 12 and 10 are looking for, for the 6 o'clock news. They want this story unless we don't create a story for them. See you tomorrow on the Upfront program. <laughs> We're out of time. Thank you. I'm Roger. See you with Senator Senator Pickard tomorrow. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Socket.